Superb. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us on today's uh, Inspirational Women in Recruitment podcast. This runs alongside the uh, normal Recruitment Network podcast series that we run um, every week. Um, very excited to introduce our, our today's guest, um, Danette Kuhas, who I've known for a number of years now, actually. I first interviewed Danette a number of years ago at a Global Recruiter event, I think it was, a uh, Global Recruiter, Recruiter Conference, which is great. For those of you who don't know Danette, she's the uh, Senior Vice President and President of Kelly Services, um, or Kelly International. And Kelly International is listed on the NASDAQ. Um, and it's a uh, 4.5 billion turnover business now, I think. It may have changed. We'll find out over, over COVID and see what's been happening there. Um, she's also a corporate board member on the World Employment Confederation and has been named in the staffing industry analysts as uh, one of the global power 150 women in staffing. So um, Danette's got an incredible wealth of, of experience. I think I believe you've been in the industry for about 25 years, I think, doing my research. Yeah, I might be wrong with that. Correct, yeah. Currently 25 years. Um, absolutely lovely lady, an incredible um, powerhouse, I think, when it comes to the world of, world of recruitment. Um, and actually, on top of all of that, she's a fantastic golfer as well. So we might even talk a little bit about golf at some point, I'm sure, because we, we generally end up talking about golf. But um, firstly, Danette, thank, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, how are things over in Switzerland? Well, I just closed the window because uh, it's a lot of snow this morning. It's the first day in Switzerland with a pack of snow tons of snow and there were snow plows uh, outside so they made a little bit of noise so I thought close the window and uh, James was very excited when I, I said there's snow I'm not so excited because I'm not keen on driving in the snow but uh, well that's why you have four-wheel drives yeah well at least, at least you're gonna get at least you're gonna get a white Christmas anyway which is yeah, we, white Christmas. we are not going anywhere anyway yeah. right, exactly that <laughs> So, Danette, let's, let, let's, let's sort of go into your sort of backstory, if that's okay. Would you, could you, I know it's 25 years we've got to get through, so we're going to try and condense it down, but t t tell us your story from how you got into recruitment originally through to how you ended up as in the role that you're doing now. Yeah, so uh, very, thank you, James, for the invite. It's very, uh, very nice to see and hear you again and to be invited uh, to this uh, podcast series. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm born in an uh, entrepreneurial family. Both my father and mother started their own uh, business. So that tells a little bit on how I, was, how I grew up. Uh, and um, after that, I, after school, I, um, I started in a consultancy company. And uh, I happened to fall in love with uh, one of the uh, partners that arrived there. And we quickly decided it might not be the best solution to uh, stay working there together. Uh, and that's how I ended up in recruitment. So recruitment was booming in the Netherlands, like everywhere at that time, 1996, we are speaking about. And I joined uh, at that point uh, Unique, which was the first company of the founder of U USD, Alex Mulder, uh, opening up a lot of branches. Uh, and I started to be a sales executive at one of their newest branches in the eastern part of the Netherlands. And fast forward, um, it went quite quickly. I first thought I can't do sales, uh, but it seemed to be, uh, I, I really liked it. It's, for me, it's really a disciplined sales. And I could practice all the skills I learned when I grew up, which I didn't really refer to as, as sales. Um, and then I learned, I learned uh, to become a manager for a small team. And fast forward, I became the general manager uh, in four years of Unique. I also, uh, we also took uh, acquired Secretary Plus, which was quite interesting, very niche specialist, but that's where I learned specialization. I managed also the volume business for USG. 
And then in 2008, uh, we were in Italy on holiday and, uh, and, uh, and a recruitment company, a headhunting company called me if I would be interested to join Kelly. And that's how I ended up to join Kelly in 2008, managing uh, Western Europe, eight countries. Uh, and uh, after a few years, the whole of the EMEA region, which consists of 16 countries, and at the moment I'm leading uh, international, so everything outside of the Americas for staffing. We sell and cover everything ex except MSPs. Right. MSPs sits in OCG. That's a different uh, business unit in, internet, in, uh, in Kelly. We have five business units. Three of them are focused on uh, Americas. One is uh, OCG uh, globally and all the rest sits in international. Yeah, fantastic. And so, so it's been quite a rapid growth in your in your career. Yeah. Can, can I just ask one question? If you were to sort of summarize, what was it about Dinette that gave you the ability to grow so quickly through the ranks? I mean, in your first four years, you've gone from sales executive, wasn't even sure if you like sales, through to a general manager, and then to where you are today. What, what, what was it about your DNA, do you think, that makes you someone that can move up the ranking so well, so quickly? Well, I think I'm, uh, well, I like to work. First of all, I liked the business to be engaged with people. That's what I liked. I, I didn't know I loved sales so much or that I could do sales. I doubted a lot myself. Like, can I do, a, can I be a good salesperson? Um, but I think the discipline, because I think in the recruitment industry also, it's also a lot about discipline. Nothing falls out of the sky. You need to work. You need to work to get relationships. You need to connect with people. I love people. I love to connect with people, but I also understand uh, things need to come together in terms of you need to make your numbers in terms of activities, especially at that point in time uh, where uh, staffing was booming. You need, to, you need to connect with a lot of companies, connect with a lot of candidates and match them. And it's basically the process of our industry. And if you understand there's a certain discipline around that, and if you understand and get the joy of um, of connecting those dots uh, and, and that's what I like and I think the the people side of the business and also when I started leading teams I do believe in uh, the power of positive energy uh, and I think that carries a long way starting your day with a smile makes a huge difference not every day is always as shiny uh, not every day uh, is the same but it makes a huge difference how you start your day and with with what uh, attitude or what behavior you enter the office or you're you are facing your teams totally totally agree and it's, it's funny though isn't it because you do you do walk into a lot of recruitment company offices sometimes and the, that monday morning feeling is not always there that can pretty much dictate what the rest of the week's going to be like i think yeah. so yeah that's terrible i can i can walk into the office here and there's nobody here or maybe one or two and i say good morning <laughs> <laughs> So, so you, I am not the one that you don't notice coming in. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, we know that. The, um, the, uh, just a quick, quick question I want to ask you, actually. You talk about sort of your love of the people side of what we do in our industry, which is obviously a big part of it. Um, do, you think our, do you think people, graduates, younger generations, know enough about the sort of that side of what we do as an industry? Or do you think that they, they see recruitment as a sales industry? You can make money, you can do X, Y, and Z. Do they, do they also get the other, I suppose, the why or the purpose side of our industry, do you think? Mm, it depends also on how they connect in the first instance with mm. our industry, uh, to whom they speak or who they connect with. If it's just like what they see and hear from friends or uh, in commercials, 
yeah, it's very dependent on, on the person, how he interprets that. Yeah. Uh, but I think once people are connected and speaking to people that are working uh, in a staffing company, the people that are longer working in this industry have this. I think they all have a certain uh, connection and passion for uh, people. Yeah. Um, but you see also sometimes, I have to admit, you see also sometimes that that gets lost over the course of uh, a career. And that's a pity because even if you are a long-time manager, never forget that we have a high turnover. There's a lot of new people coming in and they deserve uh, they deserve the energetic or passionate or leader yeah. uh, that is uh, that is reinventing him or herself because I believe also that's also needed if you are a long time in your role. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and it's it's a question that we're asking a lot at the moment because obviously there's a, a real demand for recruiters at the moment. We're, we're trying to find more recruiters, and yet most people when I, on these interviews and these podcasts, you ask most people, you know, how did you get into recruitment, or I fell into it. So you know, how do we get more? of tomorrow's generation of recruiters to actually yeah. say, I want to work in this industry and I can make a difference. I think we need to, we, we have an opportunity to tell the story better that mm. in our industry, you have an impact on people's lives. So, because we all know what it meant to have our first real job or our second job or to have a promotion, that feeling, that's the connection that we make for people. Yeah. Uh, but that story needs to be told. That story needs to be told in a way that it inspires because that's in the end of the day, the impact of a placement and not every placement is as glamorous. I get it. Uh, but there are, especially in the UK or in the Netherlands where the penetration is quite high uh, of staffing or recruitment in the uh, recruitment companies in, uh, in the workforce. Uh, it's, it's the first entry point often for people to go and look for their first job. Uh, so you make a real difference. You you impact the lives of people. You connect them to the yeah. workforce, and that's something else than um, facilitating or offering a job. Yeah, I, I spoke to someone last night who is a job seeker, actually a candidate, and he'd been out of work for about two and a half years, just couldn't find a job, and basically got placed yesterday by an agency. And, I, yeah. and literally, the guy was in tears because it's it's the impact that's going to make to his life. His confidence, his self belief, and it's huge. Absolutely, Absolutely. Work, work means means everything, and it's not mm. work doesn't say who you are, but work will enable you to become who you want to be. Yeah, this is very true. And you have you have uh, you earn money, you have the you have fulfillment, uh, you have the opportunity to grow further. Uh, and work is an important it's uh, important. Um, uh, dynamic in all, all our people's lives and not for nothing that we all hope to arrive at the moment that we don't have to work anymore but once the moment is there yeah it's often a different story because a lot falls away yeah absolutely let, 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 let's, let's go back let's go back to your work and then yeah. um over your career have, have there been any particular i suppose pivotal moments for you where it really determines your journey and the direction that you were going in your career Absolutely. So I joined UST in 1990s, early 1997. So I joined, joined first Unique at that point in time, 120 branches in the Netherlands. Uh, and after three, two or three years, just before uh, I was regional director of Unique, managing half of the of the total branches in the Netherlands, uh, Unique acquired Secretary Plus. The Secretary Plus was a super niche player in three countries recruiting uh, secretaries, executive assistants, 
um, high margin business and they had a fantastic concept. Um, and I joined that company uh, and the, the, the CEO of uh, USD asked me to step out of Unique and start leading the new the newcomer, the acquired company. And I learned there what it means to uh, manage a specialty business. Mm. Because it, in Unique, it was often around, it was a generalist office. It was around the client. Uh, it was much about uh, contacting with clients, getting the right orders, finding the right orders for uh, the candidates that we had. And in Secretary Plus, it was totally the other way around. So we were recruiting uh, secretaries, executive assistants, offering them, and I, I quickly found out that I could make much more money with them, offering them a permanent contract because executive assistants like security. Mm. So they don't like to, they don't like change or unsecurity. So um, I uh, discovered quite quickly that I could um, engage many more uh, assistants if I would offer them an, an, a year contract, offer them a little car uh, and business cards every quarter an event, especially uh, for secretaries, it could be on uh, makeup or on fashion or on develop personal development, no matter what it was. It engages the secretaries and they had a guaranteed salary. And every time, every month, three months, five months, whatever, they had a new opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that's what we call the direct team. So. And I, I got so excited about that. So we were building that whole concept and I was growing into that. And those two years uh, gave me the opportunity to learn specialty business. Then I moved back to Unique as a uh, general manager. And uh, after Unique, I managed the volume business uh, uh, for a start. Um, and that was also interesting because that was a whole different dynamic, uh, the volume business, but the specialized business really was an uh, important, um, important milestone. Yeah. And then I think the second part, which I should mention is when uh, in 2008, I arrived here in Switzerland, where we have the regional headquarters for Kelly, uh, the EMEA headquarters. I arrived in June and then the financial crisis arrived in September. And I thought, oh, holy, this, this is terrible. I mean, um, how can we survive here? Because uh, in Kelly, it was 16 different countries that had different strategies. Those countries were basically there to serve global clients. And if the sum of those countries didn't make a loss, that was enough. Yep. And we quickly, we quickly saw that needed to change. But then the crisis came and that accelerated the whole thing. Uh, so we started to build our specialty strategy in Kelly. And, uh, and now currently we have one third our revenue in the life sciences industry. So we have specialties for all countries that we have in common. But every country is so different because we acquire countries, companies in different countries. We name them Kelly. And from there we organically grow. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have different positions, different in size and scale. So every country chooses also two or three maximum local specialties. So for Switzerland, it could be the watch industry, for example, very particular to Switzerland, not relevant for others. So I think those two moments for me were, uh, I think, milestones or lighthouses uh, in my career. No, fantastic. And the, when you talk about the acquisition of companies, you sort of bring them together as part of the growth strategy. 
did, did you find that quite challenging to sort of try and emerge them into the Kelly way and see, you know, did it have an impact on culture, uh, on, the, on maybe the, some of the key principles that you have running a business where suddenly you know, people are coming with their own versions of, of principles? Yeah, they, they absolutely come with their own reality. So there are mm. two examples. When USD acquired Secretary Plus, Secretary Plus kept their own name, actually was integrated as a, 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 a company but stayed, uh, stayed operating as a company in the group. Only yeah. the back office was integrated. So it was totally ring-fenced. So the culture, the uh, strategy, uh, the way we worked was very different um, and very specialized, uh, but the back office was integrated. Uh, in, in Kelly in 2009, we acquired, uh, we acquired Ronstadt Portugal because Ronstadt acquired video and had to divest in Portugal. Yeah. So we acquired uh, Ronstadt Portugal and we integrated that totally into Kelly. The difference was we didn't have any operations in Portugal, so it somehow stayed uh, as it is, but it adapted front to back office completely the Kelly way. So it, it, it was branded Kelly, they used the Kelly systems, they, everything was Kelly. And yeah. that, uh, that asked for a different approach uh, because we need, we need also to be mindful, culture is very powerful in teams and in companies. Uh, so I think it's also um, to strike a balance between keeping the, uh, treasuring uh, their values, the culture, uh, also what they have been building up and at the same time, uh, finding a good way of integrating them uh, in systems, in processes uh, that we designed uh, within Kelly. Yeah. And there's a distinction between those hard technical things and more the soft value things that, you, that we, I think we need to protect. And that's also the trust and the respect yeah. to people that arrive in a company. Mm. It's, it's, it's challenging, though. It's, it's not easy to do, though. So the... the, the Whenever you and I talk, I always find this fascinating. I always, I hate to say this, but I always finish a conversation with you with a big smile on my face because you, you are one of the most positive, happy people I've ever met when in, the, in our industry, which is, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it makes people feel good, which is, I think was one of the reasons why you've been so successful. The, the, obviously, in your career, though, it, hasn't, it doesn't always go to plan. You know, you had, you had, you know, we've had things go wrong. Can you just walk me through maybe one or two of the of the lows that you faced yeah. in your career, and what? How does someone like you manage and, and sort of react or respond to a, a low situation in, in yeah. business or in careers? So I, I say three things. The first thing is, um, yeah, I'm I'm born positive, like like my mother, but but um, raised in an entrepreneurial family, um, it's really work head down, don't complain, don't explain, get the things done. University was also never on, uh, on the minds of my parents, not because they didn't want to, but it was not the, the society or the network we were in. So when I started working, I had a lot of doubts and I was looking up to people that did things that I admired. So when I worked at the consultancy uh, agency and uh, I shifted to an opportunity to become sales executive at Unique, I doubt if I could do sales. I was doing sales. I only didn't call it sales, but yeah. I was doubting, and and that was uh, yeah, that was something you need to you need to overcome. So the two things, uh, and you need somebody to that also gives you this confidence. So the two uh, situations where I didn't find myself to be in a good position, the last position I had in USG, it was within an entity in USG, um, which was 
not a healthy uh, healthy uh, team culture. It was all about uh, the leaders, about them individual, and never about the team. And for me, it's always first about the team. And of course, the team is a set of individuals, and each individual has their own aspiration, ambition, wishes, and needs. But if it is only about the individual, the team will never work. The team will never work, and it jeopardizes a lot of what uh, human beings are, are uh, uh, what human beings connect to a business, where you feel passionate to a business and to a team, where you feel trust and respect, and all these things are missing when it's only about the individual. Um, and I think that's that's where I realized I. I knew I was in a situation. I knew I had a lot of negative luggage. I knew I had to get out of there. I just didn't know where and how. And then this phone call on a, uh, on a, on a holiday in Italy came, said, do you want to work at Kelly? I said, oh, hell no, because Kelly was not very well known in the Netherlands. And I said, oh, maybe you should call a few other people. And I called some names and then I hung, hung up and my husband said, wasn't it maybe a little bit too fast? So luckily, <laughs> they called back the next day. And that's and I think because I was in such a situation where I knew this is not my home. These are not my values. This is not the way a business should be run. It cannot be about the leaders only. It should be about the team and how you get things done and create an environment where people can thrive. Mm. Um, uh, and that gave me the courage, I think, to jump on this opportunity to Switzerland because it's not me. Uh, I would be scared. I, look, in hindsight, I think I would, if I would be in a more safer position, I wouldn't know if I would be had the courage to jump. Yeah. And, uh, that's, I think, what what uh, yeah what what was what uh, I think I think that situation made that I had the courage to jump, mm -hmm. and, and also my husband would say, okay. We had 30 March. I had here the contract, signing the contract with Kelly, or 29 March of 20, 2008. I came home, uh, gave notice, and then 20 May, we lived here in the house we still live in. We sold our house, we sold our cars, we moved everything, and we started a new life. Good. But there was a, a good reason. And then being here after three months, very quickly, the financial crisis came. Mm. So imagine being already scared for those big decisions. Then you finally are here and you are like, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's get to work. Yep. And then the financial uh, crisis uh, falls on, on all our heads, not only my head. But I thought, oh, I just joined the company. Uh, uh, they, might, they might need to reorganize, which I, I of course, I get that. Uh, but the last thing you want, if you move, you sell your house, your car, everything, you move here to have to move back again. Yeah. Uh, but okay, it went well. I'm still here. <laughs> good. Well, yeah, well, good. And the um, and, and then presumably moving into sort of the, the the pandemic period that we've had over the last sort of you know 12, 18 months, two years, I suppose almost two years now. Um, you know, it's when leadership really shows up. I think. I think you really start defining leaders, good leaders. You know, I think I think you know it's when leaders need to really demonstrate the skills and traits of great leadership. If you were to think about, I suppose, um, what makes a great leader in Kelly services, and obviously I'm sure you've got lots of leaders. Now, what are some of the real traits that you look for in a great leader? Mm, for me, I think um, what I'm looking for leaders that can build a team. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for this unique individual that has, that has, that 
has all the skills, nobody has all the skills or competences, but a leader that has a certain vision and, and, and ambition uh, and, and knows this is what I, where I want to go with the company and that has the ability to create a team around him mm-hmm. of, of individuals with different competences because indiv- of course the team consists of individuals, but that the team works. Yeah. Not something simple that the team works. And I, I, I think that's what I'm looking for. I try to, to get that the leaders have the ability to take enough distance because I think it's super important to empower the people in your company and the managers to make, to put decision making as low as possible in the organization. Yeah. To create trust and an environment that it's fine to make mistakes. And uh, we all make mistakes, that's fine. Uh, because that's the way we learn all together. Mm-hmm. And if that environment is a trustful, respectful environment, and then you put a ambitious target, you get the team in motion. So I look for somebody that can engage with people, that can connect with people and have, the, have these values because these values, I think are super important in the sense that a leader needs to be, uh, needs to be uh, has right uh, integrity, um, but needs to be consistent. And I don't know if that's a word in English, congruent, we say in Dutch? Congruent. Congruent. Mm-hmm. to him or herself so to mm-hmm. listen to people to allow people to uh, to do things in a different way to accept that people adapt um, and that sounds maybe all um, soft I mean I am not by far not the most nicest people probably uh, probably around uh, because I can be also very determined if I want something mm-hmm. and I'm convinced that this is the way that we need to get in that direction um, but I, I do believe that um, if you have a team around you where the, tr- where the trust and the values are there and you have your strategy together, you can debate and argue and have difference of opinion, but that has nothing to do with the connection that you have together. It's yeah, absolutely. You want the same. Yeah. It's no, because you want the same. It's like a, 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 a captain of a big sea tanker that can cruise his ship through the narrowest ch- ca- canals mm-hmm. uh, with uh, a heartbeat still under 120. Yep. Uh, and he can, because he knows the ship is good, the, techni- the, 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 the ship is uh, solid, uh, the, the team and the crew on the ship knows what to do. So all the circumstances are there. Yes, we might have a storm and uh, yes, that's, and then the canal can be uh, narrow and small, uh, but he has all it takes to move forward and all it takes doesn't mean it needs to be perfect yep. perfectness uh, don't look for perfectness 80% is more than good enough and let's go so I, I, I do believe that's, uh, that's important and then stay true to yourself yeah, yeah. No. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll mention that analogy to the, uh, the, the captain of the ship in the Suez Canal a little while ago so <laughs> I think, yeah. I think I think you got that slightly wrong, but yeah. uh, but, but what, one thing you touch on there is about sort of you know bringing together diverse opinions and, yeah. and that sort of stuff. Can, can I just touch on because obviously with, with your role at the World Employment Federation as well with with, with Denny and, and those that that group there, the um, there's a big focus around diversity, the inclusion and, and equality in our industry. 
um, not only in our industry as in, as in for recruitment, but also the impact that we can make to other companies and what and their agendas are as well. Do, do you think things are improving and changing for the better when it comes to ED&I? Um, and, and what are Kelly services sort of doing to sort of drive that? Yeah, I think overall in business, um, I think the awareness uh, is uh, definitely much more there. I think we speak and see and read much more about uh, equity, inclusion, and diversity. I do think we uh, we could see a bit more uh, in action, in practice. Yeah. Uh, but okay, uh, let's say for the to look at the positive side, I think there's much more uh, awareness, understanding. There are much more stories that are shared because when you don't know, you don't understand. But if people share stories, so we and Kelly, we have uh, well our our CEO uh, Peter Quickly. He uh, he is actually the initiative taker of Equity at Work, uh, which is a um, I think let's say the the initiative within Kelly, under which we have a lot of different initiatives uh, to um, bring uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Uh, on the, on the radar with our, uh, with our teams, with our customers, with our candidates. Uh, and um, also our, our different countries are very active to uh, be sure that they practice this uh, with their teams. And Portugal, for example, is just rewarded uh, last month with an uh, equity award. Uh, one of the two staffing companies that, uh, that won that, which was great recognition. And I think one of the initiatives that we have on the equity at work is also Kelly 33. And it's a very interesting initiative. It's an initiative that basically uh, looks at people to give them a second chance. People that might have been in prison uh, or have a criminal record, not the ones that were violent uh, or um, from that, so that, that sort, but people make mistakes. Yeah. Uh, and people might not have the same, uh, are not raised with the same values or in the same families or uh, might have got sidetracked uh, when they were younger. Uh, but it doesn't mean that there's no future. Mm. If people lose any perspective, uh, then it's very hard to count on people to still do the right thing. So Kelly 33 is all around giving people a second chance and we are partnering with some of our largest customers that uh, are willing also to actually uh, not accept that there's no um, uh, how do you say this qualification and uh, that um, that there might be people that that have been in prison uh, and have a criminal record not a violent record a criminal record uh, and actually, uh, it's, 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 it shows up to be an extremely positive uh, initiative and it allows people, and I think we celebrate that people get second chances and we have a lot of good stories. Yeah. Enter, the, enter not only the workplace, they're entering uh, a life with a new perspective and they are able to give their families uh, and, and, and their children uh, they are a new role model, but they also uh, have fulfillment in their lives. 
which is incredible. And again, going back to the point we made before about why do recruiters do what they do and making a difference to people's lives. When you go to that level, that's really, really taking it to a whole new, a whole yeah. new perspective, yeah. I think, which is, which is fantastic, I yeah. think. So um, let, 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 let's focus on tomorrow. Let, let's look forwards now. The, what, what does tomorrow look like for Danette, for, for Kelly, um, for the world of recruitment, do you think, based on, maybe based on what's happened in the last, two, last couple yeah. of years? Yeah. yeah, it was eventful the last two years. Uh, for myself, except for the fact that we work more uh, remotely, um, we already worked remotely, uh, Kelly Anywhere uh, was already implemented, but uh, that actually enabled us to shift quite quickly when uh, COVID uh, appeared to have people just work more days per, per week or full-time uh, at home. Uh, so we will work more remotely, but I think also the demand of our customers have changed. Uh, in that sense, some industries are more in, uh, in demand than others and also some roles, some, some roles that were never that important or didn't have that, um, that I think that importance in, in, uh, in the terms of demand uh, and respect of society have completely changed. When we look at uh, nurses, when we look at uh, caretakers, when we look at, and also people in distribution and logistics, I mean, those, those type of roles are in high, high demand. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also the scarcity of talent. Uh, I mean, it's very, there's obviously a scarcity of talent in many, many areas, in many professional areas. So that means also that customers need to change in order to be an employer of choice. And obviously the most, most important, but I think we all know that, that the technology is playing a much bigger role. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, work, but also life becomes more digitized and technology is more an integrated part in, in, in our work and new technologies and emerging talent platforms could be crucial to long-term success, but they will not replace uh, the whole industry, uh, the industry as a whole. Mm. Of course, they will replace certain areas of our industries, rules that are uh, replaceable by uh, automation. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. But I think automation and digitization will be a added value if we are open for it, if we embrace it. Yep. Um, but I don't think it has any meaning to go always after the latest and the greatest uh, uh, new technology. Um, I think it's about, it starts always about what does the business, if we look from the inside out, what does the business needs? What is the business needs? When I talk to recruiters in Kelly or uh, managers or uh, on-sites or RPO teams, what do they, what will make their life easier? and directly what will therefore make the life of their candidates and customers easier? What will facilitate their lives? How can we take away uh, tasks or parts of the processes uh, that don't add value? Yeah, and, and, and you touched on, and I, and I agree, on the technology side, I agree with it, and I think it's, it's something that we need to embrace, otherwise it will, it will just get in the way of, our, of how we work. The, um, if we go back one stage around about sort of the brand employer choice, I think you, you described it as, do you think it's a, the role of a recruiter and a recruitment company to help their customers become employers of choice? I mean, is, is that part of what the new way of recruitment is about? Rather than just finding you people, yeah. we're actually going to help you become a, a, better, a better brand and a better proposition in the marketplace. No, we, it's not the responsibility, but we have a role to play there. 
Mm-hmm. We just had leadership team meeting yesterday, and um, uh, Katja, uh, there are uh, vice president for Russia, Poland, and uh, Hungary, and she's leader of RPO as well. She speaks a lot to customers, and she said also, we see customers are more willing to listen, uh, more willing to um, to take consultation, um, and I do think that's also where the recruiters have a role. Uh, to and the consultants when they speak to customers to make them aware of the fact that the younger generation is looking in a different way yeah and is expecting also something different than we might might uh, or were expecting when we were starting and i think we have a role to play we have not only the responsibility um, but we have a role to play to uh, engage in that conversation and bring that to the attention of our customers yeah, absolutely. Have you created your first TikTok yet? <laughs> I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> it's going to come. I, are you? <laughs> yeah, no, I have not at all. <laughs> my, 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 my children will kick me out of the house if I started creating TikToks. They'd be, they'd be just so embarrassed. It'd be terrible. <laughs> but... They find it embarrassing. Yeah, I can <laughs> imagine. Well, this is it, though. But, no, but a big part of it now is, is the TikTok movement of, you know, no longer resumes or CVs. We're going to do TikToks instead. You know, you can search for a TikTok. I mean, which is the way of the world moving to an extent. Who knows? Um, let, let, I, I want to try and bring things to a close. I'm, I'm conscious that you've got lots lots on to get on today, this side of Christmas. The uh, I've got a couple of sort of quite heavy questions, I suppose, to ask you. But if you, if you were to change one thing about the world or the world of business, I don't mind how grandiose that you want to go. What, what, would is, what would it be that you would try and change and why? Yeah, very simple. Let go of the individualism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the me, myself and I behavior. Uh, I think it's uh, in business. Yeah? I'm, speaking, I'm taking the, uh, the perspective as a business. Think and act as a team and uh, let go of the individualism. Mm-hmm. Individuals that think as individuals, they can't bind. Yeah. If they think and act, and we all have a portion of it. I mean, uh, I do as well, because uh, we are all made up as individuals and we have different preferences. We have different characteristics. And that makes it also very nice to make uh, compatible teams. Uh, But in the core, an individual, some of individuals doesn't make a great team. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Couple of quick five questions for you, and we'll close off on this. The um, is there a particular uh, leader or business leader? Uh, Don't have to be a business leader for that matter, but a particular leader that um, has or is inspiring you at the moment? Uh, yeah, uh, actually, not really. Uh, there are many, and mm-hmm. I find it very hard. I'm not so focused on on one or the other. Uh, there are many people. Often these are entrepreneurs. I can. I, I can uh, enter a nice coffee shop here in Neuchatel, a new coffee shop uh, where a young lady uh, has just opened her new business and is with a big smile servicing her clients. And I can just enjoy that. Uh, And that's on a small basis. I can also look at uh, a former politician, Nelly Smith Cruz in the Netherlands, that I admire also for her courage and her, uh, her willingness to also always open the debate Mm-hmm. And, uh, and name the things that are not named. Um, and I can also uh, also refer back to uh, the fact that if our kitchen table could talk, it would not be a good thing. Because <laughs> my, my, husband, my, my husband is also a great inspiration because he's the one that uh, from time to time uh, also pushes me to do things and to dare things and to get this uh, voice out of my head like oh what could go wrong no go 
jump in. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go to Switzerland. Let's do this. Uh, you you can you can do this. The, the sales will you will like it, uh, and and that pushes me as well. But also to just to have wide broad conversations, and especially on a Friday night, it can sometimes take uh, a quick dinner, but we stay on the uh, in the kitchen talking for for hours. Um, and I think that's uh, good. People with good conversations are. That's what I enjoy. Definitely love that. I'm, I'm going to check my kitchen table and make sure it can't. <laughs> you can't listen to my conversation. I'll be awful yeah. bad. Um, is, is there a particular business that similarly, I suppose, not the leader, but an actual company that's doing something that you find quite exciting at the moment? Hmm. No, those are more the, the small niche companies that bring innovative new new things to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be that could be technologies or a new niche in recruitment. It could be some people that bring something new and that have the 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 innovative ideas, uh, which when they bring them to the table, you think, oh, that's very logical. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it kind of existed. But in part, yeah. they have this creative vision to bring that together to become a new business idea or new business proposition. I think that's fascinating. I, I don't have this. I don't yeah. have this competence. Uh, so I'm always on the search for people who have this. I luckily have it a lot in my team. Uh, because if you don't have it, make sure people around you have it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And then, and then the last question for you then, is there, and I've asked this for everybody I've been, I've been interviewing, is there a particular um, business book that you would recommend that everybody should read? Oh, I, well, I love The Speed of Trust of Stephen Covey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just love that book. I can read it again and again. Um, for Disciplines of Execution, we are now working on, on the 4DX uh, methodology with the team. Uh, but I think the speed of trust is um, a simple read, mm-hmm. very easy read, but it tells actually absolutely everything that I believe in. Excellent. Jeanette, as always, an absolute <laughs> pleasure. I mean, it, it, I mean, I could talk to you for days, you know that. And I think <laughs> the, you know, I think your story from where you've been to where you've got to at the moment, and, and I don't think your story's, um, you know, even started yet. I think the, the next sort of chapter at Kelly I think is going to be phenomenal with what you're doing with you at the helm so um, an absolute pleasure again but there's some real gems in there and and I think it's just when we do these podcasts the point of it is just to try and plant seeds with people that actually you know what you could do if you really put yourself towards this and really went for it you could have sort of get to anywhere in this industry and I think you've clearly clearly demonstrated that always with a smile on your face as well which is great and a damn good damn good golf handicap to boot so <laughs> you add, that, add all that together I think you've done incredibly well so I, I, I hope anyone listening to this today feels as inspired and motivated and positive as I always do after I speak to you um, and I'm sure we'll leave this with a big smile on their face and hopefully with the um, the, the gumption now to go a little bit further so thank you so much as always Danette enjoy the snow um, going to go- your Christmas party tonight with your team I will do thank you very much Dave. Go, go, go and have a ski for me please <laughs> wonderful thank you so much James thank you lovely, for the invitation lovely to see you Merry Christmas thanks Danette Merry Christmas bye 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 bye